You are listening to the Sound Girls podcast with Susan, and special guest today is Patrice Scanlon. Patrice is a classically trained musician, composer, sound designer, electronic musician, and audio engineer working in the San Francisco Bay Area and Central Florida. She has 18 years of experience teaching and performing electronic computer music, audio engineering, and interactive multimedia composition. Patrice also develops live audio processing and interactive software with Max, which has become her instrument for solo and collaborative performances. Welcome to the podcast, Patrice. Thank you, Susan. So glad to be here. It's super exciting to have you on. I was listening to some of your music before we started, and I never had heard it before. So I was really, yeah, I had no idea um, that you did all of, like you were a dancer and that you did the, the electronic music and all of that. So it was really exciting to listen to it. And I was so confused because sometimes I thought like the track would end and then it completely changes into a totally different like sound. And I was like, whoa, because <laughs> I'm not a, you know, I'm not a musician at all. So it was like amazing. <laughs> oh, thank you. I appreciate that. How did you get started uh, doing music and, and what was the first thing that you did? Oh, well, when I was six, um, my parents put me into ballet class because I was a spaz and I always loved performing and put on shows for my family. And they were Mm -hmm. like, all right, we got to get her. Find a way to like focus that energy. (laughs) Exactly. So started dancing. And then um, at eight, I started playing clarinet. So I always had this like they they were like kind of two separate things. You know, there was the dance world and the music world. And then once I got to college time, I went to Stetson University and I knew dance is not a viable career, unfortunately. Um, For me personally, I had to work really hard to stay in that ballet body type. Mm -hmm. Um, And I like to eat. So that wasn't going to work for me. Food is good. Yeah. And you know, it's all DNA. I didn't get the uh, tall, skinny, lanky (laughs) DNA. (laughs) So yeah, I went to Stetson on a clarinet scholarship and quickly realized that 2% of musicians like would make it into an orchestra or symphony. That's it. Yeah. And I was like, well, that's not very good odds. So luckily they had just started a digital arts program at Stetson and I got into that and that's where I knew I belonged. And, you know, everything I had been doing up until that point, I was very passionate about. It was my life. But I think once I got into digital arts, I was like, this is what I've been waiting for my whole life. Right. And Okay. So this is like 96, 97, right? Okay. So we're we're just starting to get into like digital audio and all that good stuff, digital video. So at Stetson, that's when I learned how to like sequence music and logic and then learned how to record, mix and edit in Pro Tools. Also learned video uh, editing software. I think we started in Premiere there. Yeah. Were your peers doing this or was it just what you found interesting? No, it was just me. Um, you know, at Stetson, there was like, at, in the music department, it's very like classical, conservative, conservatory, academic music. Mm-hmm. And then the people who were in the digital arts program were a little bit more, you know, artistic and yeah. uh, underground and free thinking. Um, so that was definitely more my type of person. So um, I fit in really well there. Mm-hmm. The program was just starting. So there were like 12 of us in the program. Of course, I was the only woman. 
And um, when we started this program called Max MSP, um, it's a programming language. So you can basically write any software you want to control MIDI and audio. Later on, video got added. So like the teacher or professor would show us how to do something. And I'm like, what? And then it like all the boys were just like, oh yeah. Do, 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 do. And I was like, man, I'm, I'm stupid. It's because I'm a girl. I know it. I know it. But that pushed me even harder because I was like, I'm not going to be this dumb girl, you know? So I just pushed so hard. The lab closed at midnight, but I knew people who ran the lab. So they would let me stay till like two in the morning. I probably got like three, four hours of sleep every night, but that was my thing. You know, go to class, practice clarinet, go to clarinet rehearsals, go to wind ensemble rehearsals, then go to the studio Mm -hmm. and work till like two or three in the morning. And I'm so lucky that we didn't have laptop accessibility like like we do today, because I think at that age, I would never have slept and I would not be here right now. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) You know, like I, I, I can be a little bit um, obsessive sometimes. And when I really get into something, I, I don't want to leave it alone. Yeah. For our younger listeners, uh, computers used to be big and heavy and you could not just take them along places. (laughs) Yeah. you like, we actually had to go to a lab where there were 12 computers and first come first serve and yeah, all that good stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's where I started developing that, um, project where I was using the video camera to track a dancer's motion on stage. Oh. So basically what happens is you have video camera focused on the stage. And then in this program I wrote, you could like create these columns and then think of those as like different MIDI notes, Mm -hmm. each column. So if I was in column one, it would trigger a certain musical sequence. And then if I moved to column two, it would trigger a different musical sequence. So I started house right (laughs) and moved across to house left. And then when you came back the other way, it triggered a second set of like musical little patterns. Um, Problem was there was a lot of latency. Mm -hmm. So it was like you'd be in the column and then like, a second or two later, <laughs> you would hear the the thing happening. Mm-hmm. But yeah, from there, um, I decided to go to Mills College in Oakland, California for grad school, which for undergrad is all female, but for grad school, it was co-ed. So I applied and I got in on a full scholarship wow. and teaching assistantship and it was amazing. I was so lucky once again, 25 people in the program. Um, I think there were two other women in the program besides me. It's just the way it's been, right? Like I've always been like one and then 20, you know, it's that seemed to be the ratio. Mm -hmm. And every woman I met who was in audio or electronic music, we're just like, oh, Patrice, you got to stay in and keep going. We need more women in this industry. So I always felt really supported and had that mentorship right away. Yeah. So yeah, grad school just let me expand upon that project. 
And then I got really lucky in, uh, I think it was like 2012, I started working with the Connect controller that, you know, you just, what is that? Microsoft, right? Uh, PlayStation, one of those, sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Xbox. 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 Yes. Okay, yes. we got it. <laughs> so there was a way you could like hack into that thing yeah. and use it, right? So I spent three months developing software using that controller. And it was really cool because like now things got a little bit more granular, right? So like to get a little technical here, for instance, I could take an EQ. So my hands, if they were far apart, it would be a wide Q on that frequency. And as my hands got closer together, the Q got more narrow. And then if I moved my hands right to left, that would sweep across the different frequencies. All with the Xbox Connect like yes. bar thing? Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, you know, when you're programming and working with a new device like that, you just spend months and months like figuring out what kind of data are you getting out of that? Mm-hmm. And then how do you take that data and then put it to audio? Like what can we do that would make that interesting? What is the audience going to perceive from that? You know, is it going to be obvious or is it not going to work? So that was like the biggest hurdle. So after I did that project, um, I found out there was this guy who was at Burning Man and he made the same piece of software for Max for Live in Ableton. Oh, wow. I didn't even have to write all this software. It was already oh, no. there. I was so <laughs> frustrated. <laughs> but hey, it was the experience, right? Like really understood what was going on there. So yeah, grad school was a great experience for me. I got to do a lot of live sound for the concert series and um, worked very closely with the dance department. So once I wrote one piece for a dancer's performance, word got out and it just snowballed. And it was like, before you know it, I was writing like 10 pieces a week for different people. And it was a great momentum. And that really didn't stop. And that's why I decided to stay in the San Francisco Bay Area because I just really loved my connection with the dance scene there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, having that experience as a dancer made the communication with the choreographer that much easier because I knew what they were talking about. We didn't have to like translate that language to one another. Then I also got into like doing stuff with visual artists and video artists and, you know, how can we look at different colors in their video and, you know, pull that to create a certain sound like blue is this sound and yellow is this sound. And so it it kept growing and growing and growing. You know, it's just one of those projects where you start it and it's like 15 years later and you're still working on it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So in addition to that, I also got to be on a couple albums and go on tour in Germany. And um, I was a technical director back at that same school um, at Mills College for the, um, it was called Intermedia Arts, very Mm -hmm. fancy name for basically art and technology. That's what they rebranded it after I left. Mm -hmm. So that was an umbrella program for studio art, video, art, electronic music, classical music, computer science, creative writing, and dance. 
So it was really probably like my dream job. I was able to work along with many different artists in many different disciplines and how could we bring them together. So that was the height of my career and I I loved every moment of it. Did you know it was your dream job when you were doing it or did you reflect later? That's a hard question. No, I think, yeah, I think I knew that that was the dream job. And uh, funny enough, when I left that job after 10 years, I needed to move back to the East Coast. So um, I actually had one of the people who were on the committee, the hiring committee, tell me, oh, well, not too bad since you were our second choice. I was like, why are you bringing this up now? (laughs) 10 years later, they said that? How rude. What the fuck? (laughs) I know. I'm like, now we're going to bring this up? Um, But yeah, apparently... The gentleman they wanted to hire uh, wanted more money. Oh, so you were cheaper. Right. Um, But you have to remember, I was, what, 26, 27 at the time Mm -hmm. and got this technical director job. Yeah. You know, I was like, yes, let's go. $50,000 sounded like a lot of money then. Mm -hmm. But then when you live in the San Francisco Bay Area, it's not a lot of money. No. (laughs) So, you know, I would teach on the side. I would do live shows. um, I would record bands and mix bands and record classical musicians and mix them. Like anything I could get my hands on. I feel like I did not say no to anything Mm -hmm. for probably seven years. And then I realized like, it's okay to say no. You don't learn that till your 30s, I think. Yeah. In our industry. (laughs) Right. But like when you're in your 20s, you're like, yes, yes, yes I'll yes. do that. Yes, I'll do that. Yes, I don't I'll. need to sleep or eat properly. Like, it's fine. No, yeah. it's fine. <laughs> My friend got me a, a postcard that said, you can sleep when you're dead. And I'm like, yeah, yeah that's pretty much how I feel. <laughs> and then like 35 hits and you're like, oh, no, no, I need to sleep now. Now is the time. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. But yeah, I think uh, that's an important lesson that everybody's going to learn, you know, where is that limit of saying yes to everything or like, "Mm, I probably shouldn't take this on too, you know? Yeah. Did you have to kind of rebuild your work history and reputation once you got back to the East Coast or did you find it easy to, to kind of fit in and find your vibe? One thing is I've always been in like the classical music side Then when it got to Mills, it was more like avant-garde, experimental, uh, electronic music, a lot of improvisation. Mm -hmm. So with that type of music, it's always like, don't sound too familiar. Mm -hmm. Don't do what's already been done. So commercial music in that world at that time was the devil. It was basic. It was uninteresting. And, you know, it's kind of that like snobbery in a way. I went to film school. I get it. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. So I feel like in a way, a lot of people back in the Bay Area are like, I can't believe Patrice is now working for a college that focuses only on commercial music. Yeah. It's interesting. You know, I don't have a Grammy, but I do feel like my experience in the art industry, in the art world, is just as a valid experience as commercial music. There's less money because you have to run around for grants that everybody is trying to get the same grant. And 
you know, those grants are getting smaller and smaller. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was a safe place. You know, I liked the fact that I was respected. I was never asked to do anything that I didn't feel comfortable doing or, you know, put myself in a situation that I don't want to be in. Mm-hmm. There were... When I, when I was young, when I was like 19, I got this internship and it was like a store that sold synths and, uh, DAWs like Steinberg Cubase was their big thing. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. they also built like a small little recording studio that wasn't really a studio, but one day I was bored. So I decided to vacuum the store and the owner of the store comes up to me and he says, Oh, next time you come in, you can wear your sexy little French maid outfit. Ew. So I just turned off the vacuum in the middle of the store with the electrical cord running like 30 feet from the outlet, grabbed my bag and walked out. Good. And never went back. Did they call you and were like, what's your deal? Yeah. Okay. I just said, I'm not coming back. Yeah. That was it. Good. Yeah. Fuck that. So I look back at that and I'm like, wow, I'm so proud of little 20-year-old Patrice. Yeah. That was that was bold, you know? Good for you standing up for yourself, you know? like And it was fine, right? Like you got another job totally. and you, it moved on. Yeah. I got another internship the next summer at a, a real recording studio. <laughs> <laughs> okay. A real one. Good. Yeah. I never looked back. That was fine. Totally fine. But yeah, the commercial music side of things, um, I did have an experience at that internship at the the really nice studio that just kind of turned me off from it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we have to back up. This is like when Backstreet Boys and NSYNC are... The boy bands of the, the 90s. Boy bands. Late 90s? Late 90s boy band heaven, right? Mm. So these three like 30-something-old real estate broker guys driving Porsches and blah, 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 decide to executive produce. So that means they were paying for everything for these three young girls. There was a 17-year-old, 15-year-old, and 14-year-old. They thought these girls were going to be the next NSYNC or Backstreet Boys, right? So they're investing that money into these young women thinking they're going to get that same return. Never happened. So out of the three girls, only one of them could sing. Mm. Uh, The other two girls were just, they were all beautiful and they could dance really nice, but only one girl could sing. So of course they hired like the best music producer and songwriter and recording engineer. And I'm just there kind of assisting the session. So 17 year old goes into the booth, nails it. Every line, do, 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 really easy, quick. Second girl comes in, 15-year-old. Two hours later, we're still on the first line. So the music producer starts berating this girl and is like, you're awful. You can't do anything right. You're wasting everyone's time. How bad do you want this? And the poor girl is just hysterically crying. And I'm like, you're not going to get a good performance out of somebody if they're in that state. And it just broke my heart. Luckily, my stomach rumbled (laughs) really loud at that moment. And I was like, do you guys want me to get lunch? You know, the typical intern, go get everybody lunch thing. So it was so perfect. Everybody took a break, ate some food. We come back in, three girls are outside in the lobby and we're all having a conversation. And 
uh, the recording engineer actually <laughs> recommended that we bring in the 15 and the 14 year old, let them record three takes each and have them pretend like they're recording that. And then let's bring in the 17 year old. And so that's what they did. And the 17 year old came in and she sang the other two girls lines, nailed it first take. Then we mix it all up and they all come in. And <laughs> the other two girls were like, Oh my God, we sound so good. And I was just like, you're not even singing on the track. You can't even tell that it's not you singing. And then to make matters worse, like they were in this, that studio for two weeks working on that album. And like the first day I'm like, those teenage girls are a little too friendly with these 30 year old men. There's some, no, that can't be. No, that's not. No, uh, by the end of the first week, I realized that each one of these girls was dating one of these three 30-year-old men. And the moms were there, of course, like stage moms. And they were totally fine with it. Like all they talked about was how we will do anything for our daughter to make it. And I'm like, thank God for the Me Too movement, right? And I wish it had happened a little sooner. But it was really interesting to be able to see that and experience that. And I'm like, you know what? I don't think I can do this commercial music thing. Yeah. I had too many morals, you know? <laughs> and um, so I went I went with the fine arts world, you know, which, you know, has its own nepotism and whatever. But at least, like, nobody was sleeping with somebody else just to get ahead, you know? Um well, at least not in my circle. I was going uh, to <laughs> ask, like, it, how common is that? Because being on the live sound side of things, you don't see what happens in the studio when people are just starting out. You know, you see them once they're already kind of out in the world. Established. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So is that like a common thing or just an unfortunate circumstance? I hope it's not common, um, but it probably is more so. And like, I guess... That was my own naivete at that age, you know, like I didn't understand that was part of it, like sacrifice everything to be that artist, be the Britney Spears, you know, I don't know. I think if you, you know, Britney Spears started off at such a young age, I think it just kind of like developed for her. Right. But I think if you were somebody from the outside trying to break in there's like this desperation of wanting to make it and you will sacrifice whatever at all costs to get that fame. And I just didn't think that was something I wanted to put myself in and spend 80, 40 hours a week, whatever my job was doing. But, you know, overall, I would say in my journey, I was really embraced as a woman in audio. I didn't feel like people were putting me down or anything like that. Um, Maybe at first there was a little judgment. Um, Like for instance, this one art talk that happened, I walk in and um, I'm like, hi, I'm Patrice Scanlon. I'm the technical director. And the woman without skipping a beat stares me in the face and says, okay, so when is the technical director going to come? When is he going to be here? And I'm like, 
okay, I just told you I'm the technical director. So sometimes I would run into those kind of things where like, that's when's the man going to be here, you know? <laughs> and uh, I'm like, well, sorry, this is, it. This is what you get. So, so you said that and she just didn't hear it in or process it in her brain and was just like, exactly. There's a, I need the man here. I wonder if she does that to like her doctors. Right. Here's your doctor. And uh, no, when is the man doctor coming? Right. <laughs> but I think like with those kind of people, once you show them, you know what you're doing, then they feel rest assured, you know? Yeah. But you have to go that extra step. Like if you were right. a man, you you wouldn't have to have that pause. They would just be like, oh, this guy knows what he's doing, even though- Sometimes they don't. Exactamundo. Of course, I'm not going to man bash because we love men, but yeah, they don't have to deal with the same kind of thing in general. No, it's true. It's true. So yeah, the best we can do is keep encouraging each other to keep going, bring more women uh, into this industry just so we can kind of normalize out the numbers, mm -hmm. you know? We do make up a majority of the population, so I think it's time. Yeah. Yeah, and recently, I've really been interested in going back into producing music again mm -hmm. because there are lots of organizations right now um, that are focusing on getting more women songwriters and producers as well. Yep. And interestingly enough on that front, only 1% are women that are songwriters. 1%. That's it. So I feel like the door is open mm -hmm. and it's our time and people are ready for it. So if you have the skill set and you have the passion and the drive and the tenacity, the world is your oyster right now. People are looking for that and they want that. So I think we're we're in a really good place right now to really break through. That's a wonderful idea. And I really hope, I really hope that works out because I, I don't know, I, I don't listen to a lot of new music because I, especially things like my students listen to, it just kind of all blends together. So to get some new insight would be really wonderful. Definitely. Definitely. What kind of music do you listen to for fun? Uh, for fun? Oh my God. I'm all over the place. Um... I actually really, really love music from like the 40s, like Ella Fitzgerald and that kind of, yeah. uh, just love that era. Mm -hmm. And also I love it because the technology was so new and limiting. Yeah. So the people who came in had to be top notch. Mm-hmm. Because tape was so expensive. And yeah, not even that. Sometimes they were recording to like straight to like um, a wax oh, disc. Oh, the wax cylinder things. Or was it the disc? Yeah. Because I know there was like cylinder tubes. There were cylinders and then, then they moved on to like a wax disc. And so the disc was like three and a half minutes. It's all you got. So you had to be on it. And you got one take. Yeah. You know, so yes, there are mistakes, but the way those musicians were able to recover and turn that mistake into an intention is an art form, mm -hmm. right? It was not perfect. And that's what I love about that music. I listen to music today and everything is on time and beautiful and perfect and on pitch and there's no mistakes. 
So there's something to be said for that too. I mean, that's great, especially if you're going to listen to something 500 times, <laughs> you're not going to find something wrong with it, yeah. right? But um, I think that's why I've been like really interested in that early, early music that was recorded because it wasn't about what they looked like or what perfume they could sell. It was about their talent and it was raw talent, you know, not to say there aren't talented people out there in the pop world, but, you know, we just have so many tools to make it perfect that it kind of loses something in that perfection to me anyway. My mom loved that music. So I grew up listening to it and we had vinyl records that we would listen to and it was beautiful. I didn't know if it was like if they messed up or not. I just loved listening to mm-hmm. the orchestral music that they would put behind it or just the 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 voices because they were so rich. Yeah. I grew up in the 80s and 90s and that music was so mm-hmm. different. <laughs> it was so different. It it definitely didn't have the same kind of like rich and fullness that those old old songs did. Yeah, definitely love me some 80s pop music. Once the synth started getting in there though, like uh. Oh yeah. Synth pop, yes. <laughs> we were uh, we were on another episode talking with uh, Wesley Devore, and she's um, she's like a musician, and she works with Fender and Personas and, and all of these things, and she's a she's a writer of like mystery novels and all this shit, and she's talking about um, like her death metal and <laughs> like this this metal nice. music that she's like obsessed with, and I'm just like, oh man, that's completely beyond. <laughs> Like anything that I know, but she loved Phantom of the Opera, which is like an ultimate synth 80s musical. Right. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. Love it, love it, love it. Phantom is so good and bad. (laughs) Yeah. So special. Yeah. It was a special time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh my gosh, Patrice, thank you so much for taking the time to be on our podcast. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This was an absolute pleasure. I hope I can come back soon and talk again. Yeah, I feel like we could talk for hours and hours, but we'll split it up a bit. (laughs) Okay, we'll we'll give this one short. Thank you for listening to the Sound Girls podcast. You can find out more information on the website, soundgirls.org. Looking for more audio-related podcasts to listen to? We're part of the Audio Podcast Alliance. Be sure to check out what our friends in the podcasting community have in store for you at audiopodcast.org.